Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Will, Thinking With, the second episode in which I think with someone else. And uh, my collaborator today is Gloria. She will tell you more about herself in a little bit. And this is really a fantastic conversation uh, that builds into a fully imagined concept for a live audio-based street performance related to Palestinian and Italian identities in the United States. Have a listen. So, Hell, would you mind just telling people who you are and um, describe a little bit about how you participate in the world, what it is that you like to to do or think is important or something like that? Sure. Um, uh, hello, my name is Gloria M.C. Petrelli. I use she, her pronouns. I am, <laughs> there I go again. I am a Chicago born and based, um, uh, at one time actor and, uh, presently a writer and political organizer. Um, I, my political, uh, organiz- organization is, uh, devoted to Palestinian liberation and the, um, you know, many ways in which we can show solidarity to oppressed people in the United States and uh, globally. Obviously, a global perspective is important to me as the daughter of immigrants. And uh, being mixed race is something that is constantly uh, on my mind and informs my uh, politics and ideologies. And yeah, that's me. You know, what's fantastic about everything you just said is that this is the culmination of a trajectory that you started not too long ago, but I don't think that you would have fully imagined yourself in this position, say, four years ago. No. But but look at all the work you've done in four years. (laughs) That's really fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's... um, Kind of like, I remember, actually, um, I go back on my journals every like couple of years and I had written something down that you told me one time. You told me that I am like, um, like the, the feeling of having a hair on you and you can't place it. And you said, and you're like a sweater of that. <laughs> um, so I've just been like <laughs> trying to, I think that sort of sums up where I, I just trying to make things happen. And once I realized I couldn't be, one way anymore uh i just had to change everything so (laughs) Uh, it's beautiful thank you so what are we going to think about so um today i think we're gonna this is (laughs) makes me laugh so i've been thinking a lot about um like future futurity and and uh and like you know sort of the eve tuck just trying to like do desired center future based trauma informed thinking. And so it led me to that. And also I can't read novels anymore. Um, I don't know how to do it. I just can only, so I like, I find myself reading like political text after political text. And I found in my lap, um, Robin DG Kelly's, um, oh my gosh, the, the imagining black futures, I think, its title is um but it's fabulous and he talks about um 
surrealism and he actually references a group from Chicago and he talks about poetic knowledge. And so I've been thinking about, so he defines poetic knowledge as seeing the future and the present as a way to realize things need not always be the way that they are. So by that metric, a poem is a revolt and an emancipation from it's kind of like a door now, you know, like art wouldn't be necessary if we got to a place mm. where uh, we want it to be. And so I've also been watching The Sopranos constantly mm. because I um, need it. I am either like listening to the news or like watching horribly violent things. Mm. But um, I've been like playing with tying these two things in my head. Great. So like The Sopranos is like this, you know, bombastic display of masculinity and like the worst parts of, I was also searching for um, Italian American as a half Italian American, you know, I was searching for new role models ever since this uh, Christopher Columbus business (laughs) came up. So I'm like, I'm wondering if, and have you seen the Sopranos, I guess. So if you haven't, this, okay, great. So is the Sopranos a poem as a, is it poem as revolt against masculinity and everything that it breeds, like the worst parts of it, as defined by Robin D.G. Kelly's understanding of poetic knowledge is kind of what I'm interested in talking about with you. That's interesting. Hmm. <laughs> well, so The Sopranos is interesting because on the one hand, it has like, a, 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 it's deeply rooted in sort of a realistic portrayal of how things are and have been. But then there are these cinematic flourishes that happen throughout the, the storytelling that make you realize that it is not realistic. But I don't know that it, you know, I'm not, I, I have not had a prolonged conversation with many people about The Sopranos. I know that many people like it, but I don't know why. But I wonder and somewhat doubt that many people fully broke away from the gravitational pull of the realist naturalist portrayal and found themselves following these little threads created by these cinematic instances. I don't know if they did, but perhaps you did. You know what I'm talking about. I see you nodding. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> is it possible that those little, like, you know, the little swerves, the little non-realistic, naturalistic things in The Sopranos are these sort of portals to, to otherware? Do you, does that make sense to you? Yeah. I, like, for those reasons, I, like, sometimes, like, pause it and I'll, like, ask my partner, like, wait, what just happened? And we talk through it. And then we're both like, actually, it doesn't matter what just happened. Mm. What we're trying to, like, these... I think those moments are kind of like little, they're like visual poems. Yes. In this sense. And I'm, yeah, in this sense. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm like wondering if it's like, is it, are they trying to show us what like is possible, like a, like a possible future of a, of a masculinity that is, nonviolent or something like that or are they showing us the reality of it that it's actually just this like and then I find myself hating it a little bit because it's like I feel so deeply empathetic or sympathetic rather and and then I'm irritated because is it an excuse for all of the sort of like violence and such like is the poetry a cop-out is the like 
you know, metaphor and like Lynchian sort of moments is, does it serve anything or is it exploitative of just, you know, sex and whatever else? Well, that was the thing was that I, I wasn't sure that the show really knew. And, yeah. And that's fair. But, but I think one thing that we could say is, so do you think that it, to me, it seems like the show suggests that if there is any other type of hypermasculinity possible, that we sort of have to watch it go through this self-destruction and that violence then is somehow necessary to the transformation of huge archetypal personalities. Yeah. What do you think about? I don't know what I think about. I think that's, that's interesting. Cause it's sort of, because that does feel like a cop out to me. That feels really easy to be like this, like you have to go through like, all this by you know like to completely bastardize it but by any means necessary sort of situation to like get to like enlightenment right i guess Mm -hmm. but it's sort of like i think it does it's interesting that you're saying that doesn't know it doesn't know what it wants because it feels sometimes that sort of art especially when it's male driven makes me feel like oh you think you're like smarter than your audience and you're like figure it out should men like is this possible but you want them you to decide more progressive than that yes i and maybe they couldn't in 1999 or whatever the hell but i think it's it, it rides this precipice of like yes you're trying to say like you're trying to like if it's like you know a cautionary tale or whatever you're showing me what could happen you're on the precipice of making like an actionable item and maybe it's like the political organizer in me that's like okay What's the actionable item of this meeting? But it's interesting, but it doesn't, I mean, it seems fraught if we try to transfer this to a, to a different context. So like, yeah, yes. Italian Americans have a, a very interesting history of not always being considered white in the U S but the yeah. Sopranos is definitely post that. It definitely is a white, uh, a subset of whiteness. And, right. and therefore I don't know if you, so like, transferred over to the Palestinian situation. If we were to use the same paradigm, hopefully what we're sort of, you know, creating out of this discussion of the Sopranos of it might be possible to deconstruct a certain dead end archetype for Palestinian senses of identity, but violence will be necessary and it's going to be very uncomfortable. Right. Do you like that? Is that good? Do you think that's true? Well, that get us into think, with the whole Eve Tuck paradigm of like, well, then we're just going to have to deal with the fact that Palestinians are traumatized and that violence. Right. And it's so totally frustrating because I think it's what you were saying. Cause I listened to that and you're thinking, well, episode that where you answered my question or ruminated on it rather. And I think it actually is just about form hmm. because I don't, there is no way to tell a story about it's so funny that these two like beings exist in my DNA. These like to tell a story about either Italian Americans or Palestinians in America or the diaspora you, is to tell a story that, you know, runs parallel to violence probably. And some justified and maybe others not depends on your opinion and your perspective. Um, but I wonder if we could try to find something uh, like if I were to tell the Sopranos, if I were to write it now, it would maybe be like, I was thinking about new forms. It would be like, okay, if you could write it based on 
Like if the dramaturgy was breath-based and like you didn't know anything about these characters and all you had was like smoker gets panic attacks, you know, whatever other sort of physiological like clues. And then scenes could be just like described as like qualities of breath. And if form was just described with breath, what could we make? And you'd have to do it with really like, I don't know, you'd have to have something really specific in mind or something really abstract in mind. But I wonder if we could like make it, make form be the one thing that we all have in common, what we'd be able to achieve. Wow. So what medium gives itself best to that? Like, do you think that's... Well, prob- probably theater, unfortunately. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why unfortunately? Well, one, because breathing in a theater is like the one thing we can't do right now. But maybe also, maybe my aversion to say like a, a sonic experience is a personal aversion to quiet. Well, why not then make like an all audio version that you give out to people or you like allow them to download and then you have, you send them somewhere to listen to it and experience the audio version of the breath while they're engaging with some type of specifically Palestinian American neighborhood or Italian American. Right. That's, I think that's interesting. That's very interesting because that would still, that still necessitates a bunch of people like coming together and talking about like, what does shallow breath mean? Or what does big inhale mean? But to have like a place in mind for like someone, like what does a shallow breath mean when you're walking down the street in Bridgeport and a cop comes up to you and your friend is a hijabi? What does that mean? Versus what does it mean when you're a fucking mob boss and like your therapist is hot? Like what those things are the same moment, but completely different energies. Whoa. That's so interesting. So why couldn't you just, so then you have this, you have the specific, so why, why do you pick that specific set setting? Well, I'm trying to think of, so now I'm always thinking of duality as a mixed race person, specifically with two things in me. I'm always thinking of how things would look like the Italian thing. And then the, the Palestinian thing. And I think like when I think of shallow, I like, just watch an episode of the Sopranos last night where there, like there was long, long stretches of silence and like a really horrible thing happened in the middle. And so I'm like thinking about how you could tell this story of like, you know, Dr. Melfi's horrible moment Mm -hmm. through breath without it being so traumatizing. I'm thinking about like the kids that I teach walking down the streets in their neighborhood and moments that they have shared to me and written about, that have been scary to them, I think is where those two things went for my mind. Well, I think that's totally po- doable and possible as a, as a small, yeah, right? or like these little small scale experimental excursions that could then become a performance. And you could do this all virtually all the yeah. creation and the talking and then the creation of the files and then have people go and you could all have multiple people out in the streets at the same time, but, you know, spaced apart listening to this script in this particular place, doing this, doing this thing. Huh. You could even use the audio of the Sopranos with it's just silence with no context and splice it in as like another 
audio yeah. background for this whole thing. And so then interestingly, dramaturgically, <laughs> because, okay, yeah. it leads, we probably won't be able to get into all of this now, but, <laughs> but it leads to a really interesting thing, which is that on the one hand, you can imagine an audience member saying, this is such a specific type of ethnicity. I mean, um, a part Italian, part Palestinian, <laughs> like I don't have any relation to that, but that's actually not the point because you're using source material that's actually led to a live in the moment experience through sound and presence on the street that would go people into having their own reactions regardless of their their specific ethnic identity so i think the only thing that would be needed dramaturgically would be some sort of after coming together like a, a conversation afterwards with people to figure out what precisely it meant and so that certain people could hear others describe their own feelings in order to create some kind of like empathetic awareness yeah of, of different gloria this this seems all very doable <laughs> to me yeah right hmm okay so maybe I drop all the annoying bullshit that I'm doing and do this instead. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. Cause yeah, what a, what a, what an interesting and beautiful way to like, like force someone to be empathetic. This is, I was just talking about this with Greg. This is what we just talked about was like, how do you come up with instructional non-traditionally academic or educational environments in which empathy is being taught. Right. And this sounds like one of those things. Yeah. And how absolutely. we got here was <laughs> thinking about the relationship between form and the sort of dramaturgical world of a specific kind of cultural expression in the present moment. that's oddly linked to the Sopranos, which I don't think anybody would see coming. No, people never see it coming when I say that I really, really like it. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, but now I, but I understand. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Wow. All right, well, I'm going to stop the recording here. We can keep talking about this, but right. I, I think that's enough for people to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, let me stop it. <laughs>